Good afternoon everybody and welcome to Transcending Together with Julianne and Lee. Good afternoon beautiful and amazing human beings. How are you all? Julianne and Lee in the house. That's a hello from me. And hello from Lee. Cool stuff. So Lee, tell me about your time on leave. How how's that been? Are you ready to go back to work? <laughs> Yeah, I've had a fabulous time going out and about with the young grandson, taking him to a couple of places. One of the nicest places we went to, they had dinosaurs, like huge mm. dinosaurs. And he's only eight months old and he was fully into his dinosaurs. So that was quite fun. Hey everybody, sorry about that. We lost Lee for a moment there. We've concluded that Mercury must be retrograde because we're both having tech issues. So Lee, tell us again about your time out with the youngster. Yeah, so that was quite nice with dinosaurs. And then today I was feeling a bit sad because I thought I had to be back at work tomorrow. But it's the day after. So I was really pleased about that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, well, we're all jealous. We'll probably have a heat wave now that we're all back at work. Work. Mm, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't really have an agenda for today, I don't think. A few things been going on in the news, which I'm sure we'll get to. And I think for now, though, last time we spoke... I was telling you about the trans women's rugby team that I am setting up and things are happening. Things are happening. I had a meeting with the IGR, who are the International Gay Rugby Federation people, and they were super excited to hear what my vision is for the team and, and everything that we want to get done. I think the thing that's sad for me, though, is there are a number of people who... I had hoped to bring along on the journey and it doesn't look like they want to. And what do you think of this, Lee? So I'm still getting this pushback from people who are saying that by doing this, I'm capitulating to the RFU. What do you think about that? Like we've discussed before, Julie, I think the important thing is that you're giving trans players a chance <clears throat> to play rugby, particularly when it comes to younger generation he doesn't have that opportunity so on the one hand you look at it and you're going oh you're just capitulating to them but on the other hand and the more important thing particularly from a mental health perspective is that you're giving players the opportunity to play again and isn't that more important that's kind of where i'm coming from because I, I think it's i go back to what i said last week which is we can't do nothing and yeah i'm just not going to be one of those people that just said well on a matter of principle I withdraw. So yeah, I'm a bit disappointed by that. Yeah, I kind of feel like I'm carrying this on my own shoulders at the moment. I have reached out to other entities and organizations who I thought might like to come along the journey with me and they support the idea, you know, when it comes time to actually do the work and make it happen, crickets. So that's been mm. really frustrating. But on the plus side, it is moving ahead. And it is going somewhere and we are going to make this happen one way or another. Got a documentary company that's willing to follow the team around as we prepare for our tournament in Rome next year. So that's rather exciting. And yeah, what, what I've concluded with the IGR is we're going to register what's known as a worldwide team, which mm -hmm. basically means people from anywhere in the world can play for the team wherever we happen to be playing. So I think that's a pretty exciting thing as well. And it also takes yeah. us outside of the UK structures where there just seems to be a complete and utter absence of direction, leadership, courage, vision, any of those things. So yeah. Yeah, and like, like we were talking about last week, Julie, when you said build it and they will come. So keep that message strong and they will come. I fully believe in that. Yeah, I've actually put that into the club's logo. Excellent. <laughs> in Latin, <laughs> of course. So that, yes, it looks all super, super awesome. Really cool logo as well, Flying Dragon. So yeah, so, so that was that. So progress is being made on that. I've been, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I've been going through that research, which I mentioned, and I, I did, promise everybody that it would be up on the substack tigergirl.substack.com not up yet 
it turned out to be quite a lot of work to go through the paper and just draw out exactly what all of these corrections ultimately mean. But the headlines are it just undoes the research entirely. So yeah, that's an interesting piece that I've been working on over the last week as well. And then I suppose other than that, yeah, had a pretty good weekend as well. It was nice to have a long weekend. I normally don't like bank holidays because I'm a contractor, so I don't get paid on bank holidays. And I know people are going to say, yeah, but you get paid so much more when you are working. And I'm just kind of like, well, yeah. (laughs) True. But yeah, yeah, it, it still hurts when I've got so much work to do and I'm forced to stand down these bank holidays, honestly. Like banks need holidays. Why do banks need holidays? Where does that even come from? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but at least least you had some time off, so recharge your batteries and all all the rest. Yeah, it gets me. It's quite interesting, actually, because our mutual friend, I was chatting to her over the weekend and she was saying that another mutual friend of ours it was his birthday and he had said he doesn't want gifts he would rather people gave him cash or vouchers and so our friend said to me yeah but you know cash is a little bit like on the nose don't you think and I said you know the wonderful thing about a 20 pound note is it's like a voucher but you can spend it anywhere (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one Yeah, and that got me thinking about all of this nonsense going on with them trying to take cash out of the system. And I just think that's like, just if I look at the tech issues that we've had over the weekend, Virgin Media were absolutely abysmal. You can't get through to them. You can't get hold of a person. They just keep sending you in loops through these technical things where you've got to answer and you just get nowhere with it. And I know it's a first world problem, but none of my like because they're all smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really first world problem. <laughs> but what if it was my bank account? That's the thing I've been thinking about. I mean, yes, I can get up and just flick the light switch. It's fine. I can. There's a workaround. There's a backstop. I can just go old school and use the actual light switches. I can't change the color of the lights, which bugs me because I'm a very strong believer in light therapy. So I have different colors of light depending on what it is that I'm doing. So I have blue light in the morning because it's supposed to trigger serotonin. When it's time for me to get out of bed and do some work, it changes to a much brighter daylight setting so as soon as my lights change I actually find that my mental state changes along with it and then at the end of the day and I think this is especially important when you work from home is to control your environment so at the end of the day the lights switch over to a sort of deep red because that takes all the blue light out and helps your body get into sleep mode. So I know it sounds silly, but I've come to depend on them. I've come to depend on this technology. And it does make me wonder if we depend on technology for something as simple as going down to the shops and buying a loaf of bread and a bottle of milk. We're in a lot of trouble because when the system falls over, we can't do anything. Yeah, this is true. I've, I've often thought because I also work from home. And I've often thought, well, what happens if the next virus is a cyber virus and the internet goes off? I'm not going to be able to work. Yeah, but you're an IT like me. So if the internet goes off, we wouldn't have a job. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But what happens if the internet went off? Like all all life as we know it would would stop. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's interesting because the internet would probably still be there. But if we lost our ability to connect to it, you know, it's like imagine if all of a sudden they closed all of the on-ramps and off-ramps to the motorway and we were relying on A roads and B roads to get everywhere. It would definitely slow society down, wouldn't it? Exactly, yeah. And then like you so say, we- the linking to, to the bank, any sort of major cybersecurity glitch that happens and it affects banks and then what do you do because people aren't used to carrying around cash now i make sure that i've got 20 pounds in in my wallet that i carry around don't know how much 20 pounds is going to get me in an emergency but i always make sure that i've got a bit of cash with me but people are just not used to carrying cash with them anymore it's such an inconvenience isn't it 
I bought a new car, a new old car. And I mean, this is another thing to rant about. We can rant about it after the ad. But the uh, the short story for now is I bought a new car, needed to sell the old one because it was kaput, I think is the best way to put it. And so it's a non-runner. I mean, you try and sell a non-runner. You're trying to convince people that it's worth its weight and parts. I'm pretty sure the tire... Well, we've just replaced... We replaced the tires at the last MOT. So the tires are probably worth about 300 quid on their own. Anyway, I eventually haggled with a guy and he gave me 100 quid for it. And I just wanted it off the driveway. And so obviously that was cash. And I was thinking, what do I do with this? Because I don't have a high street bank. I use Revolut and Starling, who are fully online banks. And you can deposit cash, but you've got to go to the post office, which (laughs) there's not a lot of those around anymore either. So I sort of resigned myself to the fact that I'm going to have to just find something to spend the cash on, all hundred pounds of it. So yeah, that's been quite interesting. So yeah, I've got a little bit more than 20 quid in my purse at the moment but yeah (laughs) i kind of don't know what to do with these crisp 20 pound notes these 20 pound gift vouchers that you can use anywhere you want (laughs) (laughs) but you know again it's like if there were a cyber attack the banks let's assume for a moment that the banks have all of their firewalls and security up your cash is in there your money's well not your cash your money's in the bank but what if you can't access it that sort of leaves one wondering what if what if? <laughs> yeah. Just as an aside, my lights have just changed, but I'm not connected to them. So it's a very weird thing going on in my room at the moment. So I'm going to take us to a break while I figure out what on earth is going on. <laughs> Obviously, some latent instruction I sent has finally made its way to the, uh, to the controller. We'll see you after the break. <laughs> Oh, I love this. We continue in moments. This is good. Yes, yes. You're locked to Trans Radio UK. Many website owners don't like their website hosting company or support provider, but are too scared to move to someone else in case they lose their site or it affects their business. Based in Telford at Purple Prince Media, we will move your website to us free of charge with the best support possible. And if you're looking to start up a business, we're also here to design and build your website from the ground up with unbeatable prices on web hosting and dedicated servers. We're also certified Magento developers, which is the world's biggest e-commerce platform. So rest assured, your online business is just a click away. Drop us an email on hello at purpleprints.co.uk or visit purpleprints.co.uk to get started. Purple Prince Media, the local website company. Ever thought about having your own radio show? Well, now you can, as we're looking for presenters to join our team. No experience is needed and minimal equipment required. For more information, email info at transradiouk.com. Transradio UK. Tune in via DAB in Ireland. Download our app via your smart speaker or online at transradiouk.com. Malcolm here. Don't go anywhere as we bring you some more trucking, great music and jazz here on Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. Funny thing happened in the break. We were sitting having uh, a natter about things and my lights just changed all by themselves. Not quite sure what's going on. Anyway, I promised to tell you what happened to my car. So the car that I did have, it's a, it was a very old Mercedes A-Class a200 cdi for those who know their way around cars and it was 2007 and it's proven to be an extremely reliable car we bought it in 2018 so we've had it for five years didn't pay a lot for it we paid a decent amount but i mean effectively the cars cost us a thousand pounds a year for five years so we spent about five thousand pounds on the car all told which when you think in terms of five years worth of car payments if we'd bought a new car well it doesn't even begin to compare so the car didn't really owe us anything but the thing which frustrated me most about it is the thing that was wrong with it i could fix i know how to fix it it wasn't mechanical it was electrical and it was one of these fancy little control cards that controlled how the car changed gears so the transmission control unit 
for the grease monkeys out there. So YouTube mechanic, I went onto YouTube and how do you fix this? Well, you get underneath the car and you pull the thing out and you send it off to a company and maybe they'll be able to fix it, maybe they won't. And I just thought to myself, well, I can't get under the car. I don't have a workshop. I don't have a, a pit or a lift. So I took it to Mercedes and I said, could you guys check this out? So they check it out. They say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely need a new transmission control unit. So I said, well, what will that cost me? They said, 2,600 pounds. <laughs> You're having a laugh. <laughs> I mean, even if the car didn't have all, in, anything else wrong with it. It's not worth 2,600 pounds. I, I had a Google around on Auto Trader and stuff, and it's actually only worth like 1,200 quid. I could go out and buy another one for 1,200. So yeah, it was really frustrating because once I established it was the transmission control unit and I established I would be able to fix it, I said, so, oh, well, so, I mean, I suppose I can just buy one on eBay. And they were like, no, 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 no because you have to bring it to us for us to code it to your car. For goodness sakes. Yeah. What a rip-off. It is. It, it really frustrates me that it wasn't anything mechanical. The transmission was absolutely fine. The car only had 85,000 miles on it. It's not like, it's a, and it's a Mercedes. I mean, those things are good for 250,000 miles. And so there's this new legislation that's coming out in Europe, which is the right to repair legislation. And what it says is that manufacturers will have to manufacture their products in such a way as to fix them would require no specialist tools. And even though we're not in the EU anymore, if the whole of Europe says this is our rule, the manufacturers are going to have to change. And it's the same like with laptops, where it could be a 50p component that's broken. You know, it could be a broken wire, but then the laptop company tell you, no, you've got to like, let's say the connector between your laptop and the screen goes. That only costs like 50p, the part, but then they code the cable to your laptop. So you can't just replace the cable. So yeah, it's interesting. There's, they're going to have to have hot swappable batteries in mobile phones. Do you remember those days, Lee? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this just brought back memories. Yeah, those are the days, hey? Yeah, those good old days where you just carried a spare battery around with you battery. rather than a, yeah. a giant hunking power bank. And then when your battery you, went flat. Do you flat, remember or... when you had to pull the aerial out? Yes, I do. <laughs> I remember a time... When there weren't mobile when, phones. When mobile <laughs> phones. <laughs> yeah. I'm older than the internet, folks. <laughs> this is true. This is yeah. true. Yeah. Have you had yeah, any? I mean, it's, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to ask you have you had any of these right to repair type issues where there's stuff that you feel you could honestly fix if you didn't need a special tool? No, I'm not very mechanically in, inclined. I can't think of anything. I, I generally have my, my laptop until it's about five, six, maybe seven years old, and it takes three hours to start up, and then it's like, right, it's going to the trash now, time for a new one. So yeah, I, I don't even know how to fix any of these things that you were talking about. I'm not very mechanical. Yeah, well, that's why I bought a motorcycle with no electronic components in it. So there's pretty much nothing much that can go wrong on it that I can't fix myself. I do wish I had a workshop. So if there's any listeners out there who have a spare garage <laughs> or can give me access to a workshop because I do need to take the engine out of my motorcycle and rebore the cylinders. There you go. Some technical terms for you there. It sounds very technical. Yeah, well, it's not the kind of job I can do on my driveway. That's the problem. So I definitely need a garage somewhere where I can do my work. Because honestly, I would have fixed the Mercedes if I'd had access to a workshop and been able to get underneath it, get the part out. I would have actually just done that. But yeah, it's very frustrating. So tell us, what car did you get in its place? I got the VW EOS. It's a 2008, so it's a year younger than the Mercedes. It's got a lot more mileage, I must be honest. But I went on Facebook Marketplace and had a rummage around. And it was one of the first cars I saw, actually. And I thought, that looks like a nice little car. And it's quite sporty. Back in the day, many years ago, I used to have an SLK. And it's got that same kind of vibe to it. Nice sports car type vibe. So I went around, I looked at others. And honestly, in our price range, we didn't want to spend more than £1,500 
So I had a look around and there was just so much crap out there. And this car came up and it's a convertible, hard top convertible. That's very sporty. But the reason it was in our price range is because the motor doesn't work. Now that's actually something I can fix. But having said that, we live in England right so (laughs) do i want to spend time trying to fix a part of the car that probably i I will hardly ever use (laughs) and it does have a sunroof and that's probably about as much as you need really so we've decided we're just gonna keep it closed (laughs) (laughs) why not and what what color did you get black like my soul Oh, nice. Very Back in black, yeah. Black's a good color for a car. It doesn't show up the dirt quite so much. <laughs> it's a nice car. It's a really nice car. And I took it out for a drive today and put it through its paces. I took it down one of the routes that I normally ride my motorcycle on. And I came home and my partner said to me, so what did you think? I said, well, it's almost as nice as riding my motorbike. <laughs> I'll never admit that it was nicer than riding my motorbike. <laughs> of course not. Well, many happy motoring miles to you in your new car. Happy, cheap, no mechanical issues, please. Because it is also chocker full of electronic components, unfortunately. And it's not ULES compliant. So I'm actually, we, we've got a, a, a sneaky plan here because we assume that ULES charging is eventually going to come to Brighton. So what we're hoping is when it does, they'll do a scrappage scheme in Brighton and we'll get some money back from it for that and go and get something else. But yeah, this ULES stuff is a load of nonsense. I see Sadiq Khan was in the, yeah, Sadiq Khan was in the papers over the weekend saying, I categorically state that there is absolutely no plan to do road user charging, which is the pay per mile. Yes, he does. <laughs> because if you just think about it, it's like they've spent however many millions putting in all of these cameras so for a couple of years for two or three years yeah there are going to be people out there with non-ULES compliant cars who are going to be paying them some money to drive around in London but eventually people will replace those cars and they will be replaced with ULES compliant cars so all that money that they've spent on cameras how many people out there really think that this is just about that mm-hmm. I mean this idea yeah. of risk paper miles has been in think tanks since my Margaret Thatcher's days. So Margaret Thatcher, her big thing was she wanted to get people off public transport and into cars. She felt that was the best way to privatize public transport is just make it easier for everyone to buy a car. And they kind of did that in the 80s, encouraged everybody to go out there and buy cars. And then I think it was Norman Lamont or someone, one of those politicians back in the day, and he was like, wanted to change the vehicle license fee from an annual fee to a pay per mile basically and maggie was dead set against it no you couldn't possibly do that i mean they, their whole policy had been about getting people off buses and trains and into cars mm. so <laughs> she put a kibosh on it it came back under tony blair he had a flirtation with it and decided that the technology wasn't there yet to be able to enforce it they talked about things like when you go for your mot you record the mileage and then you get hit with a i don't know 700 pound bill for the miles that you've driven and that was considered a political hot potato so tony blair steered away from it boris sort of found his way into it when he was mayor of london and he introduced the the congestion charge and the first ulez zone so he was always both as mayor and as a senior member of the conservative party as he was then he was always a very staunch proponent of pay per mile and in a way it does kind of democratize driving doesn't it because basically i guess it's kind of fair in a way that if you use your car infrequently why do you need to pay the same road tax as someone who uses it every day? But the flip side of that is someone who uses it every day pays a hell of a lot more in fuel duty. I don't know, what do you, where do you land on that? What do you think? No, I use my car infrequently because I don't travel so much for work as I used to a couple of years ago. I used to travel all around, around the country, but now I'm home-based and I use my car infrequently. The village that I live in has got a Sainsbury's Express, which is in comfortable walking distance. So most of the stuff that we need, we can get there every now and again, get in the car and trundle off to the bigger Tesco's in town. 
So I used my car infrequently. So I would be one of those that was sort of in favour of that kind of pay as you you go. But then again, on the flip side, anything could happen and my job could change, even though I'm still working for the same company. And I might have to travel again. And then I'm going to get hit for the frequent travelling. So it's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? At the moment, I, I would be for something like that. Yeah, but it's not just the mileage that you do. It's the mileage that your plumber does, your electrician. As you said, yeah. you don't you don't have a penchant for fixing stuff yourself. So you depend heavily exactly. on other people to do that for you. It's fine. It's called the division of labor and it's a perfectly reasonable thing you work hard doing what you do so you can pay someone to do the things you don't want to do so that's fair enough Uh, uh, i must say i am slightly slightly okay on most things because i have a wife who's very technically minded and mechanically minded so if she can't fix it then yes we'll get somebody else in but at the end of the day this is preparing us for those 15 minute cities that we're all going to be living in, so we won't need cars anyway. Mm. Everything will be within 15 minutes. The 15-minute city, that's an interesting topic, and not one we can start before we need to go to a break. So we're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about 15-minute cities. cities. (laughs) See you after this. Oh, I love this. We continue in moments. This is good. Yes, yes. You're locked to Trans Radio UK. Are you trans and non-binary and feel like drugs or alcohol are impacting your life negatively? Why not check out Trans Sober? We're a grassroots peer support group for the community, by the community. Find us at www.transsober.org and join us online or come to one of our weekly drop-ins. We also offer other useful resources. Trans Radio UK, a global radio station the whole LGBTQ plus community can be proud of. Did you know you can advertise with us for less than a pound a day? Call 0207 856 0584 or email sales at transradiouk.com. Win £25,000 and help truck listens at the same time. Enter the Rainbow Lottery and click Truck Listens as your chosen organisation. And not only can you win £25,000, 50p of every ticket purchased will go to Truck Listens. Please see www.transradiouk.com and click Win £25,000 for more details. Trans Radio UK is on right now. Across the UK and beyond. Now, now, more of the music you love. Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings and politicians. <laughs> I don't think any politicians listen to us. Definitely don't. I'm- one day, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so tell us more about 15-minute cities. Well, the reason why it interests me is because I live quite close to Oxford. And Oxford, as well as, I think, Ipswich, Birmingham, Bristol, Sheffield, Canterbury, there might be some others, have proposed these 15-minute neighbourhoods. And in the break, I was just doing some reach research and in its local plan for 2040, Oxford City Council proposed installing 15-minute neighbourhoods throughout the city over the next 20 years. So basically, they want to build up the, these neighbourhoods to have everything that you need within a 15-mile radius of, of where you live. And in a nutshell, if you travel out of your 15 minute zone x number of times you are going to get taxed for want of of a better word because they're saying you shouldn't need to move out of your 15 minute neighborhood because everything that you could possibly need will be there for you so yeah i was just i I just thought it was quite interesting that this is the proposal and and obviously 2040 is quite a long way off but they would need to start constructing their neighborhoods putting in all the infrastructure and and things like that. But uh, before you know, it'll be 2040. Yeah, grab your tin tin foil, tin foil hats, folks. So what was that? (laughs) Everything you need should be within 15 minutes. So we're going to penalize you if you go beyond the boundaries of where you're supposed to be. That's what it sounds like to me. And certainly that's what the conspiracy theorists are saying. Have you heard the conspiracy theories? 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's all part of the whole totalitarian authority regime conspiracy theories, isn't it? And yeah, um, totalitarian the, tiptoe. And the the most sort of like controversial part of the conspiracy theories that are out there is that it's basically preparing us for climate change lockdowns. We'll be locked down in our 15-minute cities. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is everything. It's like the work that I do in my day job definitely serves a function in the society in which we live. And in the hands of the good guys, it's not a problem. The problem is the stuff that I do in my day job in the hands of the wrong people is extremely dangerous for society as a whole. And that's the thing that does worry me and it does keep me up at night is the potential role I am playing in putting in the infrastructure that Big Brother will later use to control everybody. And it's done as it is always done. It's done in the name of safety. It's it's safety and fairness because what we do with our technology is we prevent people from gaming the system, which is fine. So it's it's sort of put up as like, well, if you're a reasonable person and you do what you're supposed to do, then that's fine. You know, you, you go ahead, you, you fill your boots and you follow the rules and everything will be okay. And we're going to come down hard on the people who don't follow the rules. But what happens when the rules change? That's the thing that really worries me is it's, it's like with everything. It's like this whole thing about free speech for some always ends in free speech for none. And if we start shutting down people's ability to talk about stuff, and we've talked about this before, I don't have a problem with what, let's say, Kathleen Stock said. In principle, she is more than entitled to her opinion. Even if it's the wrong one, she is entitled to it. And she's entitled to express that opinion. However, when people reject her opinion, she can't then use the power of her office, which is what she was trying to do at Sussex University. She can't use that power to say, well, toughies, I'm a professor at this university and you're just going to have to suck it and take it. No, you absolutely are entitled to say what you're thinking. And I'd rather you did because I'd rather I know what you're thinking. But people also have an equal right to say, well, you know what? As a majority, we don't agree with that opinion. And if you're going to keep espousing that opinion, then yes, you are going to get cancelled. You're going to lose your platform. And that, for me, is where I get so agitated when people talk about that cancel culture is just a left-wing thing. Because it's not. It's actually a fundamental right-wing thing, which is the expression, the freedom of expression and the freedom of association. And if people who hold positions of power over other people and then use that power to cajole people and bully pulpit their views, then they should lose that power and they should be as voiceless as the people they are going after. Because that's the thing with the trans communities. We don't have anyone, anyone with a public platform that's actually standing up for us. It's all the people on the other side of the debate that are put on the news, that are showcased, profiled. And then when people get fed up and they say, you know what, we're just not going to listen to that anymore. Everybody runs around clutching their pearls saying, oh, here comes cancel culture again. And that's where I'm I'm just fed up with it. Yeah, it's easy to, just to say, oh, it's it's cancel culture or it's, you know, the set, the next thing. But you're right. You may express your opinions, but if I don't like your opinion, I've got just as much right not to listen to you as you have to actually voice your opinions. And I can say, no, I'm not going to listen to you. So in today's modern world, if we're talking about social media platforms, I'm just going to un unfollow you or whatever it is. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, but it's not, the, it's not there. It's, right. it, but they have access to the mainstream. That That's the thing that makes us so powerless is we can block them on Twitter and block them wherever. But they're still out there on the platforms that are still largely read by people who will be influenced so the Daily Mail and the Telegraph and the Sunday Times and the news. And my, my old friend, good old friend Sharon Davies was, again, 
platformed talking about taking trans women out of sport on the BBC. And there wasn't anyone there with a counter view. There wasn't anyone there to challenge what she was saying. So the only thing you can do is look for opportunities to cancel people in her sphere. And, and that was the thing. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this and I couldn't quite remember what the case was. But what it is, is there's a restaurant in London and the restaurant owner is a very staunch supporter of fair play for women who are at the center of taking trans women out of sport, trans women out of women's prisons, trans women out of women's jobs. And he got review bombed. <laughs> He's a restaurant owner and people went in and bombed his restaurant on Yelp or whichever I think it was Yelp. And then the next thing, he's in the papers as a victim. Like, look what these people are doing to me. And I'm like, dude, you are using your wealth, power and influence to get your message out. And the only thing the people you are trudging on have is to give you a, your restaurant a bad review. That's the only power they have. Reviews, incidentally, which you can delete. So you still have all the power. So stop playing the victim you absolute numpty and i'm being polite there <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's like I mean, this thing that happened yeah. oh sorry carry on lee no i was gonna say like you say just delete the reviews and, and and get on with it you know but again people tend to use this victim card as much as possible when they don't like the way things are going if it's if it's against what they are believing in. It's so easy to, to play the victim when you are actually victimizing others. It's projection. That's what it is. It's like mm -hmm. I'm projecting onto you the thing that I'm doing and saying you're the one that's at fault. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, but there's a thing I want to talk about after the break which actually leads off from this. So we're going to get this break out the way so we can focus on this in the final segment of the show so stay with us folks enjoy the messages and we'll be back right after this oh i love this we continue in moments this is good yes yes you're locked to trans radio uk do you need someone to talk to Feel you have no one that will listen. You think you've had too much to slide to hang on. It doesn't have to be that way. Truck lessons because everyone needs to talk sometime. Call 0800-009-6640 between 8am and 2am. Truck listens because everybody needs to talk sometime. Did you know we receive no funding here at Trans Radio UK? To keep us on air and growing, we rely on donations. To donate, please head to www.transradiouk.com and click the link. A regular payment of £20 will see you become a partner of Truck. Other options are available. Email info at transradiouk.com for details. A big thank you from all the team here at Trans Radio UK. The world's largest radio station for the trans community. Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. So, that kiss. <laughs> what am I talking about, Lee? <laughs> well, that kiss was one of the Spanish women's football uh, executives um, passionately kissed one of the women's players and has landed in a bit of hot water for it. Where do you stand? It's possibly the Me Too moment for women's sport, but... I can see on one hand where, where they're coming from, you know, it's perhaps inappropriate. And judging by the pictures, it was 
it did look inappropriate. But I just wonder what would have happened if it was the men's World Cup and he'd kissed one of the men players in jubilation and, and joy at having won the World Cup. What do you think? Ah, okay. So it's quite interesting, actually, because when England won the Euros last year and Prince William came onto the field to congratulate the players, he hugged one of the players and there was a huge furore about it because she shouldn't have hugged him because he was Prince William. So, and as it turned out, the two of them... Prince William being the staunch supporter of women's football that he is in this country. He had met these players before, he knew them, and it was actually a very genuine moment, but it was just a hug. But it was, it was, she shouldn't have hugged him. That was the breach of protocol, which I, at the time, I remember thinking, okay, that's really weird, because actually I would have thought it was the other way around, you know, shouldn't he ask permission? <laughs> <laughs> but obviously not because he's Prince William. He can do what he likes. But regarding the Spanish thing, the thing which has been on my mind, and I do like the perspective you've come from on that, because, yes, it was a highly charged moment, a lot of emotions. The Spanish are very expressive about their emotions. So you can almost, almost find a place where you can say, I can see how it happened. But you talk about the Men's World Cup. So let's say, for example, I don't want to say let's say England wins the Men's World Cup because they never will. <laughs> but for argument's sake, you know, come with me on this journey, right? So there are some footballers that have come out as gay. As, not a lot, but there are some that have come out. And, oh, I've got a great example. So Wales. I should know, but I can't think what the, the Welsh rugby player's name is. Oh. Gethin Jenkins? Could be. The one who came out as gay. Yeah, I think it's Gethin Jenkins. Okay, so if it wasn't, then we've just outed Gethin, and I apologize, Gethin. Lee's going to do a Google search. Well, she's going to have a lot of time. Let us assume that this rugby player comes out as gay, retires, goes into sports administration, which a lot of them do, and ends up as the head of the Welsh Rugby Union. Let us say, as bizarre as it might seem and as implausible and improbable as it might seem, let us say he becomes the, the head of the Welsh Rugby Football Union. And Wales go on to win a Rugby World Cup. And he kisses the captain of the Welsh Rugby team on the lips. How do you think people would react to that? Knowing that he's gay and he's just kissed a non-gay person. What do you think? Yeah, they're going to crucify him, aren't they? Yeah. It's not going to go down well. Exactly. And you know what this whole debate comes down to is this idea that, oh, he was lost in the moment and the Spanish are very expressive and all the rest of it. But if he was gay and that was a man and he did that, there would be hell to pay. Because they would be saying, oh, he's gay and he's forcing himself on these people and he's forcing these men to take his kisses. Have you found the name of the player yet? It's Gareth Thomas. Gareth Thomas, that's it. Right. So, and now that you said, I'm like, yes, of course it was Gareth Thomas. So imagine if Gareth Thomas becomes the head of the Welsh Rugby Football Union, Wales win the Rugby World Cup, and he grabs the Welsh captain on the side of his head and kisses him. What do you think would happen then? I know exactly what would happen then. Because yeah, they would crucify him. Yeah, the main reason why straight men feel uncomfortable in a gay bar is because they don't want to be treated the way they treat women in straight bars. Fair point. Exactly. And, you know, this is the problem. And this, is, this was my issue with the kiss was have a hug. Give the person a hug. You know, if it was, I guarantee you, if Spain had just won the men's football world cup i don't think he would be kissing the captain of the spanish team do you see what i'm saying and that's where this double standard is and i just think it's men need to learn how to behave they can't just take what they want they can't just assume that this person actually wants that kind of attention kiss on the forehead maybe but even then it's it's just inappropriate and out of place and men need to learn 
how to behave. I say it again. It's, it's just this whole thing is just ridiculous to me. And the fact that it's even a debate. And finally, yes, it looks like the guy's been taken off the the executive. But the fact that people are debating it and thinking it was, yeah, you know, trying to both sides the thing. I disagree. I completely disagree. I think he deserved to get cut down, taken out and told to go away and learn how to behave. It's just not appropriate. I see that the uh, prosecutors have opened a, a sexual assault investigation into him. And just looking at the picture, which has gone all over the world, it was quite clearly forced. He's He's got his hands like around her head, pulling yeah. her towards him. Um, and her arms are sort of pointed backwards, aren't they? She's backwards, not like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that, that picture is going to do him in. Because it wasn't like they were sort of like in a hug and or maybe kissed her on the forehead. It was like forcing her yeah. into him. I mean, my point is I can see how it happened because I've been involved in expressions of jubilation like that. But I think the point is that we all have to learn how to behave in a different way mm. and that some forms of behavior are just not appropriate. And we can't continue to behave this way. And if this is how we teach people that this is the appropriate way to do it. I mean, you and I, Lee, in our corporate careers, we've had to learn, adjust. There are things that we probably would have got away with saying 10, 15 years ago. But, but we know we now. know we can't say that now. Yeah. We know we can't. And it's... <laughs> We're going to go into the old South Africa thing. But it's the same thing again. White South Africans had to learn very quickly that there were certain things they could and couldn't say. There were things that yesterday they could and today they can't. And that is just what it is. And they had to learn and they had to adjust and they had to stop behaving that way. The interesting thing is by cutting out the behavior, it goes from an unconscious behavior to a conscious behavior, to being unconsciously aware that that's not the thing to do or say. And these sort of, I remember, because I was in South Africa in 94 and 5 and that whole changeover. And they used to joke, there was this joke about, how do you tell a racist joke? And he was like, oh, how do you tell a racist joke? And they're like, very quietly. And I remember thinking at the time, thinking, no, you don't tell it. <laughs> that's not the answer the answer isn't you don't say it quietly you just, you don't, just don't say it. say it because eventually if you don't say it enough it stops being said at all and that for me is the the thing here is the only way you can enforce it because people we've talked a lot about conscious competence unconscious competence conscious bias unconscious bias we all are affected by this in one way or another but we all have to learn to change the way we behave and some things are just not appropriate and if it takes this yeah he's the fall guy for the entire movement but the point had to be made that that kind of behavior is not appropriate it's not necessary in order to express your excitement so yeah yeah, and I mean, like I said at the be beginning when you asked me my opinion, this is the Me Too moment for women's football. And it's not like a big noise hasn't been made about inappropriate behavior in the past. So this is a human being who has lived through that and hasn't learned anything. So perhaps he needs to learn a bigger lesson and, and this might just be it. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. It's like that sensitivity training. And it was something which when I was living in South Africa, there was literally sensitivity training around racism. And I know people will sort of spit their tea and be like, oh, but surely, I mean, that's just not acceptable. Yeah, we all agree racism wasn't acceptable. The thing was that it had become so institutionalized and so much part of everybody's everyday behavior that it takes time to unlearn those things and to change. But I also think to a certain extent, in this day and age, if you are part of a sports governing body in charge of women's sport, you should have been given the training. You should have known that that isn't the way you behave. 
that you don't just assume that you're allowed to do that. You know, I'm pretty sure, and I'm not a royalist by any definition of it, of the word, but I'm pretty sure Prince William only hugged that England player because he knew it was okay. Because these guys are properly informed, they're properly trained, he's the patron of women's football, he would have been briefed, he would have known what's appropriate. And that's good. Maybe one day we won't need to give people training on how to behave. But for now, let's just do that and let's honor that yeah. and let's respect that. Just going back there, I, I remember when you were talking about South Africa and the, the first democratic elections in 1994, I was a youngster. In fact, I turned 21 the day before they had those elections in 1994 and I was newly qualified as a radiographer had my first job and it was out in out in the countryside and there were a lot of black staff and I was one of the few white staff and one of the things that I got my colleagues who were all black to do leading up to that was I said to them right I want you to teach me the new national anthem in all four or five <laughs> languages, you know. And they did, and they felt enormously honoured that I had asked them to teach me. And we still did the, the raising of, of the flag ceremony and, and things like that. And it was incredible because I actually knew the words and could sing along with them. And, of course, it, it didn't go to waste because, you know, as an ardent Springbok rugby player, it's coming pretty useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I, it's sad. I can sing the New Zealand Australian. I can sing all those national anthems. <laughs> and I'll, I'll never forget there was a, a, a kid in school who thought that the last line of the South African national anthem was, Go Booker! Because that's, <laughs> that's all he had ever heard. <laughs> there was, if you remember, in the run-up to the end of, you know, after 94, and I, I think it was, it must have been in sort of the late 2000s, I was at a rugby match, and somebody pulled out an old South African flag, and he was swarmed by a bunch of white people who took it away from him. And I thought, okay, that's the tipping point. Now we're getting there. Now we're getting there, because people now get it, that it's not appropriate. And it wasn't security it wasn't people of color who were forcing the issue it wasn't it was other white south africans who realized and recognized this is not right appropriate yeah yeah we respect the, this new flag we love this new flag we love our nation and you are disrespecting it so mm. no you don't get to spoil this moment by flying a flag which represented oppression and hatred and division. So all I can hope is that we will eventually get to that place with women, with trans people, with gay people, where it is just when people like Kathleen Stock and KJK and JK Rowling, when every day heterosexual, heteronormative people turn around to them and say, oh, you know what? I don't think you should be saying that. That's the day I long for. Because yeah. for now, it's just us making the noise and we will cancel as many of them as we can. Because you know what? Certainly gay men, they've got more money than straight people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Any final thoughts, Lee? Just, uh, yeah, just I wanted to say how much I'm, I'm really enjoying these these shows that we do. I know that I'm learning and, and growing quite a lot from them. And I hope our listeners are enjoying it as well. Yeah, I can echo that. And I enjoy the challenge that you bring because you'll put me in my place when I need to be put in my place. <laughs> And it is really good. And the last few shows, some you you might have noticed, we've just Lee and I have just been like we've got one or two things which we think might be useful to talk about. And the funny thing is, the conversation always kind of ends with that or gets to that. And we had said at the top of the show before we came on air that um, we should talk about the situation with Spain. And I was like, okay, well, this is kind of where I want to start, and we'll see where we go from there. And we ended up back there. So yeah, I think it's really good i hope you guys are enjoying the content let us know tigergirl.substack.com and i look forward to hearing from you but for now it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from lee take care everyone
in Love and Light. Bye.